What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of You Can't Do That Anymore, a movie podcast about how our perspectives have changed over time. Something we love, we may not love anymore, or what we have seen that we didn't see before on a rewatch. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Terrence Tatum. Ooh. Anastasia Washington. Hello. And our special guest, Matt Kanafka from the Killer Horror Podcast. Matt, how are you? Good, and thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I know we all have to come very, very far nowadays to get on these small little screens. Really a hassle getting up for this. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot. <laughs> getting over the hill at this time, it's just nauseating. Well, I'm not a bad temporary. <laughs> I feel like Anastasia's going to have a trip trying to match the voice of both Matt and I at the same time. So have, have a good time with that, Anastasia. Wait, why can't I? <laughs> that was yeah. That was that was just silence. She went with uh, low volume instead of low bass. <laughs> I I tried. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> and this week we are revisiting the first of one of our horror movies for October, the 1998 horror film, The Faculty, a movie that is like almost tonally in the Scream department where it's kind of funny and kind of silly, but uh, I love the movie. It made, you know, 40 million when it came out on a $15 million budget, so I wasn't alone. It's fun watching these things now because it plays like a 90s period piece so prominently, but there was a time where that was just how it was. Right. And I, which I feel like is a thing that doesn't happen with the 80s. Like the 80s, I'm like, oh yeah, that's an 80s movie. They're just living normal lives and this is what evoked that style. But uh, like Clueless, the faculty are already like, this feels like we're parroting what the 90s was. The jeans. I was just like, how many pairs of bad jeans can we see on TV? Like, it's just bad. I always feel right at home. I'm like, oh God, I miss being able to wear real baggy stuff and plaid and... I could have kind of bad posture and it would be hidden by a big billowy shirt. What a time to be alive. Yeah, those Jinko jeans, man. <laughs> it was great. There was that time for a while, like towards the late 90s, early thousands, where they had like chain patterns burned into them. What a time. Oh, or the chain wallet. Like I, I had those like raver yeah. pants with the Just chain wallet. Shirt wrapped around the waist. Good mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But we're not here to regale about 90s fashion. We are here to regale about 90s movies. Right, right. Matt, what did you first think of The Faculty when you first saw it? Where were you when you saw it? Was it theaters? Did you discover it later? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely saw it. Well, actually, I'm trying to think because this would have been when I was uh, like 11. So no, I did not see this in theaters. <laughs> um, but no, I remember really liking this movie because... You know, it's got a great cast, young Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, uh, written by Kevin Williamson, first coming off of Scream 2, and um, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer that year, you know, he's kind of the, you know, let me, can I back up? <laughs> by all means. Very off this morning. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I didn't see it in theaters, I was only like 11 at the time, but I do remember really liking this film, you know, it's, like you had mentioned, it's funny it was smart for the time you know it's invasion of body snatchers but for high school and i think that even at 11 you know even at that young age we'd already kind of started to feel that atmosphere of like cliques and social circles and not fitting in you know so 
So movies like this still connected, even if you weren't dealing with that exact thing at the time. Um, but it has definitely aged now, so, <laughs> at least for me. Terrence, what did you first think of the movie when you saw it? Uh, I was in high school. I was at the age of where this was appropriate. So I was, that was my, this was my senior year, the Christmas of senior year. This is a weird movie because this was released on Christmas Day. Uh, and so it was very much trying to be the counter to everything else that came out. It was like Mighty Joe Young and like Patch Adams were around that time. And they're like, look, we're just going to not be that. And so I actively was like, yes, I want to see that. And that's like Matt mentioned, Kevin Williams Kevin Williamson was on fire at this point in time. He had like oh, yeah. Dawson's Creek was happening. Scream was just like, he was the, if you want a high school angst thing, you call up Kevin Williamson and he's going to make, he's going to make that happen. So I was all in. I was like, oh, I want to see this. At this point, none of these people in this film were really known to me. But now you look back on you're like, well, this is like a who's who of like who became something. Even Clay Duvall, you're like, all of these people are somewhere still doing stuff today for the most part. So and I loved it. Uh, being in, being in high school, being at that point in time, you're like I want to see everything this movie has to do. And being, it was still sort of meta at the same time while being an invasion of body snatcher. There's even a whole point of this movie where they just take time to like let's call out all the alien trope films that happen a la Scream. They sort of Kevin was like, let's do that here too um, with this, right. and I I enjoyed it. I remember actively especially being in Detroit, people are like, oh, Usher's in this. And then you look at the movie and you're like, well, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's in it, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's important to mention uh, Kevin being brought, or, you know, Kevin with this angsty teen kind of vibe that he always did, because as far as I understand it, he was brought onto this film after the Weinsteins bought it uh, to make it more hip, I guess, <laughs> and more relevant to teenagers, so... <laughs> And apparently he was originally supposed to, this was supposed to be his first direct, he was supposed to direct this. And then yeah. at the last minute, they, they brought in Robert to do it, which yeah, is great. Yeah, will direct, uh, I think, Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Or... Yeah, yeah. Anastasia, tell us about your first experience with the faculty. Well, it was my freshman year of high school. Nope. Wait. No, I was <laughs> So... It was my sophomore year. I was say, you're not that far away from me. <laughs> yeah, it was my sophomore year of high school. I was 15, yeah. So I uh, was in that angsty mode, you know? Um, I felt the angst of the bullying situation and stuff like that very realistically. Um, and uh, I was a huge, huge, huge Elijah Wood fan and Usher fan, so this movie was, you know, spank bank worthy for me. <laughs> Even though most of the time that Elijah Wood is on screen, he's, you know, they're like hitting his him with like a pole and then they're, he, he goes through a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a good time. <laughs> he doesn't. And, 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 and the bullying, level of bullying in it is, is, um, it's violent. It's bad. It's not good. It's no. not a good. No, no yeah. I, I think not a good bullying. First into a pole, you know, maybe not pleasant. I mean, it's like <laughs> the opening sequence. It's like, oh, look at oh Elijah. No, oh God. Yeah. It's the very opening, and everyone's just standing around, like pointing and laughing. Yeah, not good. Yeah. I was like, I was like, please don't ruin the goods. I might need them later. <laughs> 
that was my that hobbit peen later. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I was a, an Elijah Wood fan for a long time. We were actually in a movie together when I was a kid, um, uh, which nobody likes, uh, Radio Flyer. Um, so I, <laughs> nobody likes that movie. Terrence, his face got like, yeah, nope, yep, agreed, no. nobody likes that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've had a crush on him since then. So I, I, I was like, look at him, he's an adult now, and I'm an adult now, but we're not we're just you think you are at that point yeah you do oh yeah well they you you 100% do which kind of I think brings me into mine the first time I watched this was my freshman year of high school which was 2004 so it was just on somewhere yeah Um, for those who are not you can't visually see this Anastasia just gave him the finger because and I agree like I felt that finger right (laughs) gross um But I think you guys kind of hit a lot of the things on the head. But my first time watching it, a lot of the meta comedy stuff was lost on me. The same way when I first watched Scream, I was like, oh, no, this is just a movie and this is what they're doing. And then you go back when you kind of know more about what it's doing and you realize what it is. But the bullying was so visceral and in a weird way you're like this is what it is but it was not what happened to me it was like my bullying was much different no one was slamming my junk into flagpoles and (laughs) no one was circling up and laughing well (laughs) you say that you say that but the weird shit they were doing but i think Uh, bullying is uh, you know in the 80s and 90s in and early 2000s was a lot different right like this is something we talked about kind of on the rewatch was i i felt like the and i wasn't around in the 80s so i don't know how like one-to-one the like hyper karate kid faculty violence was i was like when i was in high school the like violent side of bullying almost evolved into violent hazing like the Mm -hmm. big incident at my high school was not at mine, but at Glenbrook North, which is our rival, the lacrosse team, and it made national news, uh, like beat the freshman lacrosse players with like fish guts and all the, like a carry type situation. And it got so far out of hand that it it got picked up nationally. And to this day, if I wear one of those shirts, sometimes you're like, hey, that's that school that had the thing happen. I was like, they were down the street from us. Our hazing was just punching. It was fine. (laughs) It was... Well, that's also not good. Um, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> not great. I, I will say, like, I experienced physical uh, bullying. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is not uh, uncommon, uh, at least not in my life, because it, it was common. Um, but I will say the thing that shocked me about the film was everybody's reaction and, comp- like, even faculty members were just like, yeah, all right, you're... <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's what was, especially on the rewatch, like, I didn't really notice it that much because probably because I was in it uh, at that point in time. Um, but on the rewatch, I was like, these, none of the adults seem to give a damn that they're being, these people are beating the crap out of each other. And like, what's weird about the faculty, and I definitely didn't notice it now uh, uh, then, but 
there's all forms of bullying. Like, there's a lot of verbal, there's a lot of verbal abuse that happens in this. Oh. They're calling each other bags <laughs> and muff. Like, when was the last time you muff dived? I was like, well, hold on. All of this is being put out. They pub- One of the girls tries to publicly out someone's sexuality to someone else. You're like, what is going on? One of the things that really does not stand well with me now is Delilah constantly referring to Stokely as a lesbian and making fun of her for it. Yeah. And yet Delilah is the love interest <laughs> of Casey. Delilah is a like problem. <laughs> that was definitely something that I was, the whole movie, I'm like, I because I, I remember the, the twist and like what was going on and I was sitting there like, she becomes the love interest, but at no point in this film do I consider her to be a positive character. So for her to get with Eliza at the end, I was like, she didn't earn this. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I will say that watching it again, the ending to me reads different. Mm. Like um, in a negative way or positive? Um, I, you know, at first uh, viewing, I was like, oh, they defeated the aliens and everything, you know, and everybody just kind of, you know, but now I'm viewing it and I go, well, the aliens won. They basically all converted into uh, ideal versions of themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what um, I really noticed, what I really noticed this time, and I don't, maybe it's because I was leaving the theater or like I, on my, even on my rewatches, but while they're going through their positiveness, there's another kid being dragged to a tree behind them while that's happening. I was like, so the cycle's continuing. You just moved right. on and you're like, hey, I'm now, I'm ideally, yeah. <laughs> I'm still ignoring the bullying that's happening behind me. <laughs> right. Right. But also, they all, you know, like, Josh definitely drank the Kool-Aid and became a jock, and and, right. and Elijah became popular and got the girl. It all seemed very much like maybe there was a, maybe they were trying to hint at a twist, like it actually worked, um, or they weren't defeated in some ways that, that, that kind of felt, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like there was a statement there that they were half making. It's, I, I feel like they're trying to go for something positive in the sense of, you know, in these characters' minds, they do become maybe more of what they think the perfect self is, right? But uh, I think for all of us, that kind of resonates as, well, that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> uh, especially, especially because when you look at what the the perfect selves are. I mean, Josh Hartnett, it's kind of hinted at that he's now dating his much older teacher, (laughs) for one. After he berates her publicly, and then, yeah. And after she berates him publicly. And then she destroyed his soul. (laughs) Right, right. So so there's a whole weird thing going on there, because, you know, that that just shouldn't be happening. But then, the, the one that's always really bothered me, too, is Stokely, because, you know, Stokely I root for from the very beginning of this film. And, and Stokely, you know, is treated like such an outcast just because she's different that it just feels like such a punch to the gut when in the end she's lost literally she all conformed. of her. She's <laughs> the most humane character throughout the entire film and she has her identity. And then at the end you see her coming in basically what are considered preppy clothes. She's no longer herself anymore. She's completely exactly. quote unquote cleaned up. And you're like, well, hold on. Did you have to conform to date this dude? You could, he... He seemed to be into you while you were wearing everything that you were wearing. Right. And being who you were. Why did you need feel the need to change? 
that's right, no. why the true it's a true horror movie because the final scene <laughs> just seeing her in flowery print and it's jellies awful. okay it's awful and, and it's a trope that exists i mean you know the same thing happens in the breakfast club right you know which is kind of what a lot of this is pulled from and it's just it's this trope of uh the the goth girl being like the outcast and and the other and the bad you know and to and then suddenly oh now she's preppy now she fits in and she's normal you know it just it it really rubs me the wrong way i can't stand it <laughs> yeah it's a very weird lesson to impart in a movie about anti-conformity and how the aliens goal was to make all of us the same and then when we defeat them we all became the same yeah they're, they're so, after that. <laughs> we'll see that's what i'm saying i don't think the faculty is about like being yourself the faculty is about conforming the fact that that is the whole right. movie the movie yeah. is and, like you and, will and, conform right <laughs> and let's not forget either that you know a slight difference i think from invasion of the body snatchers which it's based on is that you know in invasion of body snatchers the the aliens are very clearly bad right you know they're they're very clearly villains and i'm not saying they're not villains in this but the aliens all kind of <laughs> some of them are actually better people once they're conforming which is a weird message like when when you look at the coach um you he, know when we first meet him he's berating kids and yelling and screaming and the movie awesome. just on seven thousand. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. And then it's like, and then, you know, halfway through the film, Stan tells him that he's quitting the team after the coach has become an alien. And he's a totally nice and I'm just like, yeah, no, go do you, man. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, it's a weird message of, oh, should we be? It, it, it's a weird thing, yeah, because it, it fixes the people that are, are assholes. Like the, the couple that kept beating the crap out of each other. Once they both become aliens, they're hugging up. You're like, oh, there's no right. more domestic violence. This might be okay then if they become aliens because they're no longer beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, it, it's just a lot of really odd mixed messaging. Like it's, I, I think a good way to put it is, it, I, I think it, I think it has the good intentions. It's just a bit of a mess of a script thematically. You know, I, <clears throat> I think that was a very, and it might fall into the satire of it, and maybe it doesn't. Like, it it almost, to Anastasia's point, feels like a movie without a theme, which means it also kind of feels like a joke without a punchline. Like, yeah. it, there's a lot of setup to kind of go, oh, well, now he got the girl, and now she's normal, and everyone accepts everybody because we are all the same. But there's never a, doesn't that just make us the aliens? Were the aliens right? There's right. no celebration of differences either. Like you'd think the end of this movie would be uh, everybody go be who you are because the way we defeated the aliens was embracing ourselves. But instead, it kind of just shows you that everything's okay if you fall in line. Like it, right. it's a very, very weird thing. But especially when you have all of this uh, uh, tepid homophobia is what I'll call it. Yeah, but I will say that Stokely does at one point say, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they win. And they did, kind of. I mean, she may not have won, um, you know, right. the, the, the alien queen bee. It's, it's also really weird, because it seemed like this movie for a couple characters were like trying to say, hey, these guys are have layers. They're more than what they appear to be like. Josh Hartnett being the stupid, like, ah, he's dumb, he has regressed, he's been here a couple of years, and then you see him in class and he's pretty, 
pretty well educated. He mm-hmm. knows the answers. He's just choosing actively not to. And then he has an entire like science lab and science kit. And he's it's like, wait, this guy's really here. Or the jock who's like, hey, I don't want to play football anymore. Like, I I don't want to be given A's. I earned a D. Let me keep my D. That's what I work for. I need right. to get through this the normal way. And you're like, oh, there's there's something happening. And then you get to the end. You're like, yeah, none of that matters. We don't care about well, any of that. Well, right. The, the Hartnett character, you know, he just completely throws all that away. And oh, I'm just, I'm a jock now. <laughs> I'm a jock screwing my teacher. Screwing my and teacher. I'm, I'm I, a Which jock. also kind of perpetrates that weird double standard that I feel like happens in media sometimes of like, oh, well, when the guy's sleeping with his older teacher, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Like, no, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, and it doesn't surprise me that this is a Weinstein produced film, you know? <laughs> I mean, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that. I, I, I've never read the original script before William Sam came on, but I'd be so curious to, to see how some of these themes played out originally. How much more of that was in there originally? <laughs> right, like, like I, well, I, I just wonder how much, uh, how, how much better the themes sit in the original version before the Williamsons came on and we're like, no, let's make this, hip and you know put some of their own yeah mentality into it like you know another another thing to mention kind of along those lines of the double standards is you know let's look at casey elijah wood's character uh he he is our hero for better or worse you know and it, there's the scene with him and delilah in the closet and he's like sniffing her hair and <laughs> You know, just being altogether a complete creep, and yet we're supposed to be like, oh, no, this is cool that he's doing that. He just likes her, you know? And then he also calls her, like, a bitch later, and she, she responds. calls her a bitch, and then he, you go oh, to his house, and you see, like, a montage on his wall, basically, like, a hit, a crimes list of what he's going to do. Like, how long have you been watching this girl? You might should be reported. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and later on, he calls her a bitch, and she's just like, are you hitting on me, Casey? Like, what woman? That, that is such the trope of the 90s and 80s movies about what women are supposed to uh respond to right like what what exactly. uh, like he's got to turn he's got to make us feel like we're nothing and then we'll be like oh hi. right and and, it, and and the double standard comes into play too with this because you know the uh typically when you see a obsessive woman over someone in a horror film you know it's like they, uh, what is it, a single, not single white female, um, fuck, the one where they burn the rabbit, uh, Fatal Attraction, you know, it's like Fatal Attraction of, oh, they're, they're evil, they're, they're a monster, you know, and then it, you get the obsessive guy in films like this, and they're always the hero, you know, it's, it's Casey and the faculty, or kind of a random example, but the original Wolfman <laughs> is a guy that's, like, stalking the woman <laughs> and watching her through her window, and he's our hero, you know, it just, uh, yeah, Dave yeah, Matthews I, band, scenario yeah. right i think they always try <laughs> to play programmed it. to think that was attractive <laughs> that's the thing i think they always try to play that as like you're supposed to feel bad for them because they're so in love it just love them so much <laughs> and it's like it becomes that very strange thing that i think happens when you know art and real life get mixed because then you do get people who learn the wrong lessons and get into these high Don't. school situations where they go, I was shown that if I put these coins into the machine, this will come out. I don't know what else to do if I don't neg her. I, how does one get a woman? When I am nice to them, I get friend zoned, which isn't a real thing. So they're like, so clear. It's that stereotype that I think 
probably every single guy has said of, well, you know, the girls, they just want the, uh, they just want assholes. They say they don't, but that's, look at that. They're always with these assholes. I guess well, I got to go be the ass. It's like, you no, the asshole wasn't stalking her. Well, it you also, were. <laughs> well, and also all through film history, you know, you have all these characters that are calling a woman a bitch because she doesn't want to sleep with them. Right. And so, you know, you have to wonder how that resonates with, with men growing up, like, do they now think, oh, if a woman doesn't want to sleep with you, then, then she's just a bitch and that's the only reason? Well, you know? I think that was the narrative for a while. There, I think there was a lot of conversations around consent that have changed where for a while it was like, well, you know, man, like we were at a party and we were having fun and then we got back to my dorm and then guess what? She turned out to be a bitch. She didn't want to do anything. And it's like, like wait that doesn't make her that this is the whole complex that they gave women in the 80s and 90s though right the madonna horror complex so we're supposed to give it up but don't give it up right because then we're a whore (laughs) don't control your sexuality then we're a bitch right (laughs) we cannot win i mean i mean there's so much of that perpetuated in this film like you know going back to delilah what what does she do to show that she is uh or, or or I'm trying to, what, what happens to her when she becomes this more, uh, when this alien version of herself, right? She puts on glasses and now she's like uglier. Like that's kind of how they all treat her. Is that's like, a oh, funny, that's a funny trope in this movie period because I, and it, it happens in a lot of the, the alien type of films, but usually oh, yeah. the women go from being gawky, dorky women to like, now I am sexy. Like the teacher well, takes your glasses off and you're like, Femke Johnson just came in this red top and Jesus, she's a woman now. Like, wait a minute. Well, why, why is that the turn? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It is was the Delilah, tank top. It wasn't the glasses. But. <laughs> Delilah's already turned by this point, right? So, so the aliens are supposed to be the better version of yourself and you're seeing all these women aliens in the film. Their glasses are coming off and oh, now they're pretty. You they know? go into she's all that mode. She came down the steps with the glasses off. Like, oh my God. Right, exactly. And and Delilah's wearing the glasses to show like, no, see, look, guys, I'm still just a normie. I'm, you know, I'm not hot. I've got glasses on. So. I'm just like you. Glasses was the uh, like billionaires pretending they're like us by making imagined videos of the 80s for like, unattractive and attractive people. It was like, no, see, you and I are the same. I have the glasses and the overalls, I am one of the nerds. It's the worst fucking trope ever. She, she's all that, just, oh, the glasses are off. Mom. There was clearly just like was one also, writer. Scrunchy removed or something. That's I right, think. she came out too. The hair's gotta come down. There was clearly just one writer once who was like, fucking hate glasses. You know what I'm gonna do? She's gonna whip them off and then everyone's gonna love her. That, that'll show them. <laughs> I so remember watching with she's the all sexy that. librarian. Like, I remember watching what? she's all that and the whole time. I'm like, she's hot with right. the glasses on. I don't. Yeah, I've never met somebody who I was like, wow, they're pretty attractive. And then one day they put on glasses and I'm like, yes, no. Whole no. <laughs> person now. It's you never heard it here, you guys. You heard it here for three men just said. Her glasses aren't ugly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and two of them are married, so they know what they're talking about. See? Yeah, my wife wears glasses. <laughs> there you <Same>. go. <laughs> so then I guess that kind of brings us into the why, not so much that you can't do this anymore, because I feel like this is one of those movies where the stuff you can't do anymore is the very homophobic overtones <laughs> and a lot of the... Also, the but, only black character being just in the background. 
Oh my god, this movie is a sea of white people. Yeah. I didn't realize how white this film was. Yeah. I didn't realize how white it was until I watched this again. It's so bad. It's 1998. There's just nothing but white people. Yeah. It's very yeah. weird. The fact that they stole, they stole like basically the poster from Independence Day. Like it just looks like Independence Day. And they put Usher on the poster. And it's Even like, though he's in the movie for 10 minutes. Hey, I mean, and they actively, I remember, because I was a, like a theater person, that I was going to the theaters a lot. They actively used him in the campaign. Like he was going around with the rest of the cast for all the interviews and stuff. You're like, you're not even in this. Right. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> so then if you're looking at it through a more modern lens, even like as an adult, what are now the things that kind of stick out to you? We've covered some of it, but if you've got to kind of, because with horror and with comedy, and you know what, the movie doesn't really classify itself as a comedy. I think I'm imposing a parody onto it because it's very silly. Even when they do these freeze frames to introduce names, you're like, oh yeah, this is very Suicide Squad. I can't very take stylistic. you seriously now. Yeah. Uh, does that give it any sort of leniency? Is it using any of these tropes to kind of point at or even make more horror? I feel like with horror, they lean into being like, well, if they're really hyper bullying or they're really homophobic or racist it's scarier is that a thing or do you would you say absolutely not make your scares real <laughs> i would say it just makes me scareder of humanity but no uh, <laughs> i don't think we need to go overboard with you know sexism racism or homophobia to make a scary it's it's interesting because I feel like we, I mean, we talked about at the beginning of this. I think the, if this were to happen, if this film were to happen now, the bullying would be very different, probably even worse because you're 100%. dealing with like the digital age. If you're like, I'm, I'm going to bully you online where everybody can see it. I, I it would be a lot harsher <laughs> to, 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 to well, do I mean, that. These um, kids could never escape bullying. These days. Right. You wouldn't be able to escape it. Like there, and I think some things would be uh, not, allowed so like you wouldn't be the the, the definitely open hate on uh lesbianism and and your sexuality would not be a part of this but it would be there would be some bullying that would happen that would be just as bad it just wouldn't there's some classes that unfortunately that just wouldn't allow for that to happen today um there wasn't much racism in this because it just wasn't any race outside of white people <laughs> i mean i feel like there was racism because because the they weren't there they weren't there <laughs> exactly. and the only black person they like had was on a sports team <laughs> like and, yeah it was like me going back to burbank high school and burroughs high school all over again in the it, 90s. it just really <laughs> stuck out to me this time that i'm like wait there is only one black person in this entire school right well and then i, I even look at the faculty themselves and i'm like you even had selma hayek and you cast her for like a nothing role you know <laughs> i didn't I, I, she's another person that i was like and i i'm, I'm sure that was a favor to robert but I, it's one of those oh, ones yeah. where i'm just like I forgot that she was in this film for so small of a role. Like she yep. came and then went away. Same with uh, Stuart. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot you were in this movie. Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News is randomly in this. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, that's a good enough reason to not make the movie anymore. That's a... <laughs> yes. Knowles is badly dated this movie. Oh God. I think out of everything, that's the most heinous atrocity. <laughs> 
I don't like that man. It's pretty up there. When I saw him, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a thing." Yeah, we should cut. We should cut this out of the movie. <laughs> Release the Knowles-less cut. Because <laughs> I guess some of the themes in it have aged or would age differently. We talked about the bullying and the conformity, but if you're gonna do something about conformity and identity now, <clears throat> how do you look at it and also kind of add? some of these sci-fi overtones. I know none of us are in high school anymore, but we pretend we are. Well, and I'm going to pretend I am for a second, but no, seriously though, it, you know, it is the interesting thing about this is that the, the film itself, like the, the concept of it is not, you know, uh, we can't do this anymore kind of thing. Like you said, it, it's very, it could be very relevant today to do a film like this. Um, the thing that's different is that, you know, in 1998, the things that kids were worried about are a hell of a lot different than they are now, right? So, <laughs> uh, so I mean, and I think that's where this film has really badly dated itself and, and just maybe doesn't resonate with teenagers anymore is, you know, I, I don't know, and I can't speak for certain, but I don't know that the, you know, 16, 17 year old is worried about, you know, whether or not they're, gonna be the sport the football captain right like I, I don't know if they're worried about that these days when you've got fucking global warming racism running rampant uh sexism running rampant you know fucking the world yeah. ending like it just it's <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to imagine that we care about things to that same level that we're being talked about in the 1990s yeah i kind of agree with that because I, I i feel like especially being at the high school age when this film came out the cares of what we cared about was much smaller because we didn't have access to the rest of the like we didn't internet wasn't that big at that point in time so right we didn't have access to the rest of the world we weren't aware of what else was going on in the world now i think kids are so aware of everything else so that the world that their cares are much larger than the day-to-day like oh right. i don't and know if this person likes me or not or if i uh make the football team like you said. well exactly and I, i've actually spoken to a couple um younger horror journalists about this kind of stuff where, where they say, you know, films like this that are made now or films that are made more geared towards teenagers don't resonate because they're not talking about the things that they're actually afraid of. Like, I, I know a lot of teenage girls that the Black Christmas remake, you know, that has a lot of positive message in it, but it didn't really sit as well from what I understand because it's not talking about the things that, you know, that, that, that they really think a lot about because they, they, they're aware of some of those issues, right? Um, you know, kids these days are more like, you know, they got to go to school every day worrying about school shootings. You know, they don't give a shit about it. Right. That's the <laughs> horror. That's the scary shit. So, like, about. this dude coming out of the closet with a, a nut, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> right. And a lot of the stereotypes don't resonate anymore either. You know, even, even in 1998, some of these tropes were kind of beginning to be silly, right? Yeah. You know, I, like we, we'd already started making fun of it in other horror films like Scream, you know, with the, 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 the drug addict and the jock and the, the prom queen, you know, we'd already kind of started poking fun at those tropes. And it, now they just don't really exist anymore. Like you look at 21 Jump Street, I think that's a great example of kind of poking fun at how these things just aren't the case anymore. You know, remember, because in 21 Jump Street, they get to the school and uh, I'm forgetting his name right now, so forgive me, but, you know, the, the jock character is wearing the backpack on one arm, and, you know, he thinks that it's still cool to, like, be a bully and all that kind of stuff, and he gets there, and 
you know, there's like vegans now, and yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and they're like correcting him on political correctness. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's all just it's all just so different. So I just think almost none of this really resonates the same what's, way as it might have used to. What's interesting that this movie tried to do a little bit it didn't do it didn't stick the landing or stick with it was the saying that there are layers to people um, that that this guy's a jock and this and that, but it stuck everybody in their clicks. I don't I don't really think. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't feel like clicks like that really exist anymore because they're all sort of the same. Like what used to differentiate nerds is now nerdum is more of an accepted thing. So it's right. the levels of being a jock to a nerd are much smaller than they used to be. Well, and I think people are starting to almost wear those identities as like almost proud. badges of honor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I think when, when I was in high school, I remember it was still like, enjoying star wars and playing video games was like oh, what a loser and right. now people will like introduce themselves and be like i am a gamer and i do this and i do this and i do this it's very yeah. like you know yeah. they say that after gen z it's generation alpha because they're so much more just like here are the five things that i am yeah well it's interesting because our our interests became our identity right you know like it became who we are like it, any anyone knows me probably thinks like Matt the horror fan right like that's that's who I am to most people is the horror guys <laughs> and that, and that's what we all wear proudly whereas you know back in high school yeah like you said I I didn't go around telling everybody that I didn't wear horror t-shirts every day you know because <laughs> there is I think there's, there's always going to be a desire to fit in that I think kind of things like this movie and the breakfast club kind of impose I'm like what does that mean but I think now it's there aren't even just this few amount of tropes, right? Both this and the breakfast club are like the jock, the goth, the nerd, the this, the this, and the that. Those are the six ones, like they're Pokemon. And now you get in there and it's like, well, I'm a gamer, but that might mean I'm into esports or old games or just watching streams or that, that. So now the concept of fitting in has also evolved. So like now you would almost have to do it as like a complete parody and have the alien come down to do conformity and the alien be like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. There's just so much. There are so many it. options here. Oh my God. What if the aliens invade a, like a comic convention <laughs> like that, and they have to figure out what, what a, like a conformist nerd looks like. <laughs> like <laughs> that would be harder. But it would also be funny. I would like that. I just like the idea of it being said at a Comic Con. <laughs> right? Because yeah, I, I always feel like I'm going to get something at a con. Like if it's like invasion or, a, you know, an infestation. I feel like something's going to happen when I'm at a con. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of horror just in that world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So then I guess the next question is, is does it even, is the movie even still scary on any level? Would you go back and watch it now? Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I considered it scary back then, but even, even thematically, I don't consider the film to be frightening these days. <laughs> the, the, yeah, like, like we said, I would say the most frightening thing is Stokely completely losing her identity. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Bring funny, back even her Doc Martens. <laughs> Even at the time of seeing it, I didn't think it was scary. I liked the movie, but I didn't think it was scary. Um, I, I, it's probably because a, a lot of the, at, at that time, a lot of those films spoke to, like you have those teenage films. So I was just collecting them all. Like I know what you did last summer. Is all, all, all of those teen horror slasher films were at a, a high at that point. 
so I just accepted them. But I, none of them were really scary. A lot of them took a, and that was the point of them. A lot of them took the piss out of some of the horror stuff. Like Scream, that was its whole point. Um, faculty did it a little bit too with. Well, yeah, we're stuff. we're right on the precipice of that with this, right? Because it was like Scream, and then this, and then two years later, Scary Movie would come out, and then you just couldn't well, make movies like this anymore right. because we had well, just we'd taken it to the next level. Well, this is what Kevin Williamson did. I mean, you know, I, I love Williamson as a creative. He's, he's a brilliant guy, but a lot of his films did kind of do that to different aspects of the horror genre. You know, Scream is an obvious one. Uh, he did Cursed, which no one really talks about, but that movie poked a lot of fun at werewolf films and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of made them more difficult to make for a while. So. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, what, it's what they often say, like, helped kill the Western was Blazing Saddles came out, and it was like, how hey, we can't take any of this. You've just you've made so much fun of it that now when we watch it, we're just like, ah, yeah, ha, ha. I mean, Austin Powers did that to the Bond films. It, it, it happens in, in, in all genres. You kind of have to reset stuff. Uh, right. But it was weird that that was happening then because Kevin was also doing I Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a straight slasher. So you're like, you're taking the piss out of your own, your own stuff, <laughs> um, which, is, which is odd. Which is awesome, though. Like, I think that, that knowing your genre so well that you can parody it, at the same time as creating something that is perfectly in genre, that right. is well, well, that's <laughs> the beauty of Scream is that it, it both plays really well as a parody and almost plays even better as a straight slasher with like one of the best twists of that genre. And the yeah. fact that you wrote it in a weekend is just mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, a story like The Faculty still has plenty of room to be scary. You know, if I think if they had stuck with more of this idea of not wanting to lose your identity, you know, I think they had gone more with that because you're you're telling a story about, you know, these kids not wanting to be taken over by aliens, which are turning them into conformists in society, right? And the odd thing about the faculty where that theme doesn't quite work as well, in my opinion, is that all of the kids are trying to be something else, you know, when we meet them. So... If, if you were to make it a more modern setting, you know, I think that there is a worry maybe sometimes about conformity in this generation where, you know, that, that social media has really uh, elevated and escalated where, you know, on social media, I don't know about you guys, but let's just uh, look at the horror community as an example. You know, if I put out that I don't like a certain film, all of a sudden I've got thousands of people coming at me like, I mean, the you know, how dare you? Is Star right. Wars fandom is Star toxic Wars. as shit right now. Right, yeah. Star Wars, great example, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, there's a certain conformist element now with our identity. So I think that if you, if you were to redo this, you know, have these kids be proud of their identities, you know, have these kids appreciate their identities and then they're watching everyone else be taken over and turned into something opposite, right? And, and have them actually want to hold on to that. I think that's the scary element is losing your identity oh yeah that's a good that's a good play that's, yeah and i but, think but where the film fails is you know all these kids are trying to be something else and at the end they are something else you know so it's like well you all conform so i don't <laughs> yeah because now we do kind of live in a world where at the same time everyone's different but they're also kind of the same like if you, you yeah, can find thousands of podcasts and YouTube channels, but it sometimes feels like everybody's chasing the ghost of somebody else. And I'm a generic looking white guy with glasses and a beard and the same haircut as everybody else. I get it. It's like, we're all almost becoming Funko Pops of the things we like. 
So well, it would well, be. Well, it's why I made a point of, you know, our identities have become our interests, right? Like they, they almost completely define us to the point where we have kind of conformed to a sense. So. I think that's one of the things that Gen Z, sometimes you see them tweet and do videos on is like, can you believe millennials think that like liking Batman is a personality trait? And you're like, damn it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. Rem I do remember that I liked disturbing, be but I haven't seen disturbing behavior in, in a bit. But um, I do remember that I felt like more connected somehow to disturbing behavior, and I I don't remember why because it's been a bit <laughs> since I've seen it. But I feel like they came out the exact same year. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So this was like one of those uh, Hollywood reactionary things where like, oh, we're gonna kind of have a same similar i mean they're different because this one's more like this one's more like invasion and the other one's more like step birdie um oh. but you know i don't know it seems very like on the same no you're right the the certain behavior is really the same movie in a sense except it does its themes much better <laughs> yeah. uh, i actually i actually rewatched the certain behavior recently and it, you're right it's more of a stepford wives thing where they're kind of you know, uh, taking over all the kids and making them these perfect uh, letter jacket wearing teenagers, right? Um, but but the themes are better because in that, all of the characters are fighting hard to keep who they are. Yeah. And, and when they do change, it's more terrifying because you're like, oh my God, that's not at all who this person was. And you don't even really get that in the faculty. Like, you know, Delilah again, I, I hate that I keep bringing her up so I hate that character, but Delilah... <laughs> You know, Delilah, when she gets taken over, she still seems exactly like Delilah. She just has glasses on, you know, so it, it doesn't resonate the same way. Yeah, I think it hadn't committed to something. It, like, it just didn't commit. And maybe it did, and we're not seeing that that version. Like, I feel like I, I like, it's, it's like, maybe it could be like a Pretty in Pink where, like, Pretty in Pink had a whole different direction and committed to this, and then they then people were like, nah, we don't like that. And they put a completely different ending that does not fit. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, maybe it, that's it, what it is. It I look like Stokely at the end. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. That, maybe Stokely right, maybe. actually changed the whole school over into Stokelyville. I right. would be fine with that. It's funny because there are a lot of identity films that, that like disturbing behavior. And the, like, the Skulls came out the following year. It's another one of those movies that you're like, oh, yeah, you have to accept this society and become into this world. I was like, yeah, they all did that better than i think what they were trying to do with the faculty um right it's it's weird i it's funny though because i remember probably just because it hit me while i was still in high school skulls was kind of like i was i think i had just entered college so i think it just hit me more with the faculty and it just rem i keep that in my brain more but i think the other films handle the identity like the the fight to keep your identity better than what i think they were trying to do with the faculty Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that would make the faculty a better film now if that was the like Matt said that the driving force of the film. Yeah, I think the problem with like making a film like this right now is what you guys have said is that most people know their identity right now. Um, I think the way that you could you'd have to bring in social media and you'd have to bring like your uh, like that that FOMO or that like presenting of a better life kind of thing into it um, more than identity because people know who they are. They've done all the self-discovery. There's workbooks now. They're starting, you know. Um, right. well, they've done all the self-discovery and we also, I mean, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but I think we're also more at a point now too where 
you know, maybe having our differences called out by others is more just annoying than it is heartbreaking like it used to be. I mean, it obviously depends on the difference, but, you know, for just being a nerd, let's say, uh, if someone were to call me a nerd or make fun of me for that today, I'd just be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, hey, yeah, sure. I did this already. I'm it, good it, on it. It won't work anymore, so... So then um, I guess the last kind of question to ask is, is this movie not necessarily relevant, but still watchable or do you still get anything out of it? If, if somebody now were to be like, I have to sit down and watch the faculty for the first time, would you be like, throw it out? Or would you be like, put it on? Uh, I mean, I'll say I, I still really love this film. You know, it's an entertaining movie. Um, and, you know, being a horror fan, you kind of have to accept that most of what you watch is going to be extremely dated. Because <laughs> uh, fear changes every 10 years, you know. We, we're afraid of different things all the time. But um, but as far as how relevant it is, I, I think it's relevant to a sense because we still have clicks, you know. We still, I, maybe even now more than ever, there's still a need to fit in. You know, we're, we're all, we want to find that circle of like, this is where we fit. Um, but, but as far as like how relevant it is in terms of what it focuses on in the film itself, I would say it's not really relevant at all anymore, personally. I wouldn't say yeah, don't watch I, it. <laughs> like, I, wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't say don't watch, like if somebody's yeah. like, I'm going to yeah. put on the faculty and I'm like, burn it all down. I'm not going to go to that extreme. I think this is still entertaining. Yeah. I think it's also cool to see where a lot of these folks this is sort of their first film or five or third or second film. So you kind of see them break through and this is the film you see them in. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's cool. If this acts, if this is very much more so than Screams, I think Screams aged well. This acts as a time capsule of that, that time. Like this is a time big time capsule of that time. And I think that's important kind of like, oh, this is what the nineties, this is sort of the envelopment of what the nineties was. And I think that's still important to, to have. Uh, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. As an actor and as a filmmaker, I love watching old stuff so I know where it came from and where the genre can go. Like, I, I think it's important to watch old genre films. So I would say watch this because you, you really get a sense of the 90s. Yeah. You really yeah, get I think a it's, sense of that feel, you know? It's well, an interesting thing, too. I, you also just don't really get a lot of movies that are this stylized off the top. Like I was going to say this. There's it some pops directing. off with an Offspring song, and yeah. everyone's stylistically looking, and you freeze frame with those credits well, come up. were you a 90s movie if you didn't have an Offspring song in it? I don't think so. You well, know, you needed something pop punk, but it's it's so easy to get me. Like, we just started this movie on the rewatch, and I was like, I'm in. This was <laughs> the kids are all right by the I don't care what else is in this. Rodriguez did this right after From Dust to Dawn, which I love. And I'm just like, oh, this is you're starting to see him get into his groove. There's some there's oh. some directing choices in this that I'm like, all right, I like I like this. Yeah, I love like the whole sequence in the gym when she reveals herself and it's her in human form with the alien like shadow behind. I was like, oh, cool. fucking that's great. I was I like, can that. we keep it there and not see the creature? <laughs> we saw <laughs> the creature and I was like, mm, go back. <laughs> Even though the themes don't always connect, they are still important. And even to kind of see how it was then, and even to, it did, it built a conversation in our apartment very quickly of like, look at this bullying, how accurate was this? And suddenly everybody was like, well, you know, I had this happen and this happen and today it's like this. And even kind of instilling those kind of conversations becomes important. Yeah, because it's a it good is, jump off point, but like, 
it was that this especially if you watch that with like younger people now you're like was that really how it was and i'm like yeah yeah unfortunately it was and look i think even addressing some of the tropes of like hey this teacher's coming on to this kid this isn't okay (laughs) and it's weird that the movie is making it okay don't do this and that is not the ultimate ending like you know becoming a jock and ending up with your teacher (laughs) right not the ultimate yeah no like anastasia mentioned i mean it's a good learning tool right you know, it's, and that's the thing that, that I think anyone, anyone of your listeners who's into anything creative with film, you know, that's the thing to remember with film is like, no matter how dated or awful it really is, you know, all of these films uh, are good teaching tools to kind of show us like how to improve on the genre. And like you said, where it's been and learn from it. And, you know, now, now we know that you know, you watch the faculty and now you know, like, yeah, these stereotypes were kind of becoming bullshit then. They're especially bullshit now. Um. <laughs> but I mean, it is almost yeah. worth mentioning at the time, the movie was almost praised for how it was like, look how it's doing clicks and all of this. So there there was something about 1998 where people were like, yeah, that's kind of... But but, it, but in 1998, yeah. we, still, we still didn't get it to a degree too, though. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, well, I mean... It had the positive message of like going against the the clicky idea, but you know, in the '90s, we still had terrible concepts of like it's okay to show someone constantly being you know belittled for being a lesbian, possibly, right? Like again, Delilah character is not a villain, so <laughs> I think that's the Which biggest misstep so the movie weird. does is all the people that should be villains aren't villains, and you're like, there's so there's yeah. th- so that there's no comeuppance to their behavior. They all just kind of get to be better and they also don't make everybody awful so there isn't a like well they all became better this is a movie about awful people getting better it's like no this is actually a movie where if you're awful or nice you get what you want yeah like it like both nope the evil people didn't get their comeuppance because the good people also didn't get it's like it's all it's all on the same level and then the we all just person, met in the middle yeah you just all met in the middle and then like the one person who seemed the worst delilah you're like mary beth is very kind like if if that's what we turn into i don't know if that's a problem right <laughs> better now <laughs> right i mean except for the like invasion part she's a very sweet girl yeah even yeah. the alien was like, I, I "Look, I just want to get everybody on the same page." We didn't really talk about this. This is always this is funny to me, especially now watching it. The what I found hilarious is that the way to destroy the uh, alien is to do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait, that's a big push. In <laughs> caffeine, the okay. Well, you know, it's they had to caffeine and a pen. <laughs> we had to get uh, we had to get Dare to sponsor the movie. A lot of a lot of don't do drug messages. I mean, but look, to me, this fits into the odd mishmash of messaging here because what what's something we talked about all the time in the 90s, right? Like, don't conform to your drug addict friends and do, don't do drugs, you know? And in this film, it's like, take this fucking drug, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, the, the 90s was very weird for drugs. You're an alien if you don't take this. <laughs> in, in one world, they were like, don't do any drugs ever. They're going to ruin your life. And in the other quarter, it was like, if you have a slight trouble paying attention ever we're gonna pill you up 
so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Therapy? No, no. Snort this pill. It's just crazy. Right. This movie has a, a a Russian roulette game of like everybody needs to sniff this right now. Like, wait, what? <laughs> but then they're not <laughs> even like happen at your high school. Like, <laughs> I mean, it did, but it wasn't to stop an invasion. <laughs> The, the part, the part with the drugs that I love is in the end when, uh, when it's Elijah and Josh Hartnett both running from the alien, and Josh is like, "You gotta snort this. I gotta know that you're human." And it's like, "Did you watch him last time? He snorted it. He couldn't even fucking move. He was laughing so much. Like you're gonna kill him." <laughs> that was such a weird part about the drugs. I was like, "There's no like weird. Everyone's high now. They all kind of just got used to it after well, a while." I didn't. I didn't. I- I, I thought her like nose closing thing was like the weirdest part of that whole thing. I was like, that was pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, what, what's funny that? about that is that just her finger releasing it was enough. They were like, we need to have that plus her nostrils closed. Well, but even her finger releasing it, it's like, how do none of you see all that just pouring out? It's right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty, uh, pretty, that almost felt like a scene they threw in because someone was like, oh, fuck, we had her do the drugs, didn't we? I mean, I mean we could, we could <laughs> throw, go a all- scene, throw a scene in there. <laughs> We could honestly go all day with with the plot holes of this film. I mean, for fuck's sake, even just the fact that everyone who was decapitated is now alive in the end. Like, I didn't see the aliens having any power, and you know, they just meld you back together once once they die. Like, well, then, cat when her her head is trying to find, like, she's trying to find her head. That was like the funniest yeah. thing. Ever. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's great. It's and it's a nice little callback to the theme, you know, since this movie's making fun of all these alien films, right? But yeah, but yeah, how did her head get back on in the end? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. And if you can't tell whether or not we liked this movie, then it's just as confusing as the movie itself. And uh, that is our show, guys. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and all the good places. You can leave us a review. You can then follow us on Twitter at Can't Do That Pod, on Instagram at You Can't Do That Anymore, on Facebook soon when we make that. Don't worry about Facebook right now, it's a garbage site. Uh, <laughs> it's awful it's a bad place it is uh you can find all my stuff terrence and i do a podcast called hollywood already did it about movie reboots and remakes and sequels that when movies come out again we'll have new episodes uh anastasia terrence and i along with two others do one more drink a comedy show about whatever we want it to be about anastasia does serial killer about serial and pairing them up with different killers the breakfast cereal Terrence runs our YouTube page for Hollywood Already Did It. And Matt, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so you can follow uh, myself and Killer Horror Critic on Twitter at Killer From Space. Uh, we have a website at KillerHorrorCritic.com, which is basically just all your horror news, reviews, articles, all that kind of stuff. I have a whole team of writers that do excellent work there. Uh, my wife and I do a podcast, Killer Horror Critic. Uh, it's basically the two of us getting drunk and arguing about horror films. Uh, she's kind of she knows a lot less about, well, not less. Uh, she, she's not as huge of a fan as I am, so it's usually kind of fun kind of getting her take on it compared nice. to me. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I won't even mention Facebook and Instagram because fuck them. <laughs> Fair. We go back to the old way of marketing where we hand out flyers at places because these right. other companies are awful. Town COVID compliant at all. <laughs> well, right now we can't market anything, Anastasia. We have to wait. <laughs> for the world to recover. Uh, All right, we'll see you guys next time.